it's, uh, I think people in Boulder have a better uh, understanding of what nature's all about than most, uh, most people in America or Canada uh, do because um, you do interact with it. And it, it is interesting because we sort of go to the grocery store and we tell ourselves that this is the bounty of nature. And we look through the produce section and we say, oh, look at all the foods that nature provides to make us healthy. But then when you go for a walk in the woods, like, honestly, if you had to live off of what was out there, you'd pretty quickly realize that there was not a lot of shrubs I'm going to chew on here, and maybe meat's the way to go. So then you start looking for which animals you can take down, and then you realize that the animals are, are playing rough with each other, too. It's actually a very different world out where you're hiking up mountains than it is in the grocery store. And I think that across North America in the Western world, we've lost track of that. I mean, you know, this idea that nature's trying to make us healthy. Well, if you look at the plants that we can actually eat that nature makes, it's a tiny list. We get, as humans, we get 90% of our calories from 15 species of plants out of 250,000 that exist. So that's one 160th of a percent. So, you know, this idea that nature's making all these foods for us is backwards. We've adapted to eat certain foods, and we've taken some foods and modified them through agriculture to make them even better for us. But, but uh, nature, you know, I love nature. I think that it's it's the most wonderful thing out there. I, I I'm a biologist. I, I I've studied bats for my PhD. I'm, I'm crazy about nature, but I think people just kind of have this misconception because they don't really spend a lot of time with it. We have some manufacturers of food here, all natural foods. There's a bit of a misperception there too, though, don't you think? In the way that these foods and so forth are advertised. Well, you know, I think that so you know businesses have to make money, but there's this. If you want to sell a fancy-dancy, say, shampoo, then what you do is you say, nature is a beautiful place that loves you and only wants to make you healthy, where everyone has naturally flowing hair, and if I get some ingredients from nature and put them in your hair, then you'll be back to this natural place. And, and Okay, sure, fine, but nature also has scorpions in it, and nature also has, you know, bees that will get caught in your hair and sting your head. And so um, these are natural things, but they're not part of the shampoo commercial. Those are left out. And so what ends up happening is we got bombarded by these commercial after commercial after advertisement after nature documentary that all sort of highlight this sort of like loving side of nature. And we only get half of the story. It only paints half the picture. And for me, having studied bats I know that there's some dirty stuff out there, but to be honest, that's the best stuff I've ever learned about. Those are the things that really turn me on, that really get me excited, and they're the place that really make me laugh, that, that really touch my curiosity. And so I feel like it's, it's a disservice to people that a lot of people have their connections to nature through the advertising they get for foods, when nature is a totally different thing. I mean, you know, how can the organic vegetables that you have on your table, which, by the way, grow on a farm, not in nature, how can those be more natural than the mold around the bathtub, which came in through the window? It's, but we've got these ideas about what nature is, and they're fed to us. And, and uh, when you look at the mold around the bathtub, you might find something that's even more beautiful than those vegetables. Well, now, if that's black mold, isn't it going to kill me? <laughs> well, it might. And, but that's part of the game, right? So... I mean, there are just a, a myriad of fascinating creatures that have a dark side. I mean, like killer whales, for example. You know, people love killer whales. People, I just found a video, it's, it's uh, trending on YouTube right now, of some killer whales trying to kill a blue whale. And you sort of say, whoa, hang on, killer whales aren't supposed to kill blue whales. They kill sea lions and seals. But killer whales are really adept at doing all kinds of nasty things. And the killer whale that everybody goes to visit at SeaWorld has killed three people 
you know, two trainers and somebody who snuck into SeaWorld and tried to go swimming with it, we think. We don't actually know what happened because there's no video. But these animals that we're passionate about and that really inspire us um, often are quite dangerous. And, you, you know, the, um, the, the predators make for cool tattoos because they're awesome animals. Great white shark, cougar, um, grizzly bear, uh, you name it. You know, all, all the really charismatic, great predatory animals we're, we're engaged with, and, and they do have a dark side. They're not gentle animals that you just have to get to know. Yeah, I took my kids to see the killer whale at uh, SeaWorld in about, oh, it was about 2002, something like that. And I tell you, I didn't realize that that whale a few years earlier had killed somebody in Canada. And then uh, uh, several years later went on to kill another trainer. And then, as you said, and didn't kill them in a nice way either. I mean, you wouldn't say it's not nice, but the whale did what whales do, right? That's exactly it. I mean, when your cat catches a mouse and tortures it for a long time, you sort of have to have this conversation with yourself. Like, I, I love my cat. My cat's gentle and kind with me, but she's really not being very nice to the mouse. I guess those are her instincts. But really, if you're a predatory animal, killer whale, cat, whatever, the more you can practice hunting and killing, the better off you're going to be. And for a killer whale, immobilizing their prey prevents them from getting bitten. I mean, you know, if they're going to eat a big sea lion, a sea lion has a pretty powerful bite, even for a whale. So one thing that they'll do is they'll just beat the smithereens out of a sea lion. They'll, they'll, they'll take a baby seal and they will bat it out of the water with their tails and then catch it and then throw it around and play with it for hours until it has broken bones, ruptured organs, uh, you know, internal bleeding, and then they will eat it. And th- that can't be pleasant for the seal, but there's nothing about nature that says, well, here are your rights as a prey item, and here's what you can expect from a, you know, you can expect to have a quick kill, and it'll be nice for you. That's just, that, that is not something the killer whale has to think about. The killer whale only cares about the killer whale. There's a kind of a fun aspect to your book, too. Mother Nature is trying to kill you. For example, I was very amused by your suffering uh, when a botfly uh, took a ride on your scalp. Now, my amusement is probably kind of explainable in terms of this mean nature, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is that I, I don't want my... When I say that nature is, is uh, violent and, and rough, and uh, it's true, but that's beautiful. That's what makes it great. I mean, that's its, its dark side. Those are its true colors, and those, that's where I really see the beauty. And so for me, I was just starting grad school, and I was off in Belize studying bats. And, uh, you know, I remember I was looking around with binoculars, and I was looking at birds, and I felt like I was really understanding nature. And I was doing a scientific study there, and everything was great. But then when I came back from Belize and moved and went back home to uh, Edmonton, where I'm from in Canada, um, one of my mosquito bites started growing. And very soon I realized that I had something called a botfly. And so a botfly is a fly, and in Belize it before I ever met it, uh, what it did is it caught a mosquito in midair and laid eggs on its abdomen. And then when the mosquito bit me, it dropped those eggs off. And so uh, little did I know that after I got bitten by a mosquito, a little maggot crawled its way down the hole where the mosquito had bit me, and then it started eating my flesh and growing. And so if I hadn't done anything, this thing would have kept doing that until it was about an inch long six weeks later, and then it would have popped back out. They don't, I mean, they don't really do anything that bad, to be totally honest. They kind of stay put and make for this kind of swollen bump. And apparently a lot of people don't know what it is until a worm comes out of it. And you can imagine that's quite a nice surprise. But I did know what it was, and so I got it surgically removed. But the, the thing that, that changed my relationship with nature, because instead of going there with the binoculars and looking at birds, I was actually participating 
in what all these animals do. Every animal in your backyard has parasites in it, in its gut, uh, maybe in its feathers, maybe in its fur, um, mites, ticks, uh, worms, amoebae, uh, all kinds of things. Every single creature has had uh, parasites found inside it. And in fact, if you made a list of all the animals that exist in the world, there are more parasites on that list than there are animals uh, that aren't parasites. So, I mean, there are just parasites everywhere. And so when I finally engaged with a parasite and had to cut it out of my head and spend energy fighting with it while it was trying to steal energy from me, I was participating in the cruel, ugly, awesome world that I'm so passionate about. So that's where I start with the book, is to talk about that experience and then to go off and talk about all the wonderful stuff that I've learned about as a biologist, where nature is just, it's almost like it tells like a dirty joke and you just can't believe you're reading this stuff. You can't believe that it's true, um, but it is, and it's better than anything you can make up. Well, it's disgusting too. I mean, and the bot fly, you described the bot fly. Uh, it's, uh, anyway, I'll let people read the, uh, the description of the bot fly. It's a little stomach churning, but you did actually make me feel sympathy for a female bed bug. Oh, yeah. No, and that's the thing is reproduction in the animal world is like a whole different ball of wax. There, there are some things that happen out there that, you know, I, I'm always struck with the way people are always holding nature to this, this moral ideal, which is totally backward, right? You say, well, it's natural for this to happen in people because it's, you know, that's what happens in nature. And so that makes it okay. And you can't say that because you can find examples in nature of the most heinous, terrible things in the world. And for bed bugs, I mean, yeah, they're gross because they feed on human blood, but the way they mate is just way worse. So a female will mate with a, or sorry, a female will feed on a human in the bed, and then she'll make a break for it after she feeds, and she'll be running, it's middle of the night, and she's running across the floor trying to get back to her hiding place in the wall socket of your hotel room. And while she's crossing the floor, a male will jump her and force her to mate with him. And he does not... I mean, they mate the same way people do, but he doesn't put anything into a hole that already exists. He has a penis that stabs her in the abdomen. It's like a knife. And he stabs her and then injects her with his sperm and then lets her go. And there's nothing she can do about it. Then she keeps running and another male does it. And then another male does it. And by the time she gets back to her electrical socket, she's been jumped by like five different males, all of which are competing with each other to try to have her babies be their own and not those of some other male. And this is just this runaway... um, you know, evolution that has happened that's just terrible for the females, and you do feel sympathy for them, but that's just the way it is for female bedbugs. Every time bedbugs mate, that's what happens. It's, it's ugly, and that's just one out of a zillion examples of mating just being actually quite brutal. Your son, Luke, figures very much in your book. Tell us about your relationship with your son, Luke. You love him, but you've wondered about that love. Well, so for me, the it's it's the it's the realization looking across all these animals that their every behavior they have ties back to passing on their dna it's survival but not just surviving and living a long life making sure that you have offspring in the next generation that your genes are passed on and animals make all kinds of sacrifices to cut their own lives short just so that they can pass on their genes. And so, you know, animals will, if, if their babies are in trouble, they'll go and fight with the, with the attacker, even though that could hurt them because they want to protect their babies. And when I looked at the way I behave around my son and the emotions I get when I see him in danger, um, his birth, for example, was, didn't go the way we'd hoped. Um, and he was born by an emergency C-section, and then it took uh, several minutes before he took a breath on his own. And I, I remember standing there looking at him, waiting for him to take that first breath, and, you know, the doctors are pumping oxygen into his lungs and doing all the things to keep him safe. 
but I was, felt so helpless and so terrified. And it, it really dawned on me that my behavior and my emotions and the, these hormones that were in my blood are exactly the same ones that a water buffalo gets when she sees her young being attacked by a lion. And it made me think about myself and my relationship with him is like, maybe I'm just a bird building a nest. Maybe there's really nothing special to this love. And so part of the book um, is, is an exploration of what, where love comes from and what it means that, it, it is, that those are the origins of love. And coming to grips with, with that realization as a father. It's, it's a very emotional experience being a father, and it's, it's, uh, it's a neat challenge to look at it with the scientific binoculars on. Right, and you know, that is a very, I think, it's a very important part of your book, and it certainly makes it well worth reading. You talk about rebelling against our DNA oppressors at the end of the book. You're talking about, well, what can we do? Are we just these meat robots? Can we really out-nature nature, impose an ethic on nature that's not actually already been designed by natural selection? And aren't ethics and empathy and altruism, in your view, just DNA having its way with us? You know, um, the conclusion I came to with the book is that when we do things like uh, fight for human rights or uh, gender equality, uh, we're not doing things that nature does, and that is fantastic. So, it, you know, enough using nature as an excuse for all our dark side and saying, well, you know, if these things happen in nature, then it must be okay for us to do it. Enough of that. Let's decide on how we want to behave as humans, and let's treat each other great and, and, and with, with care, and let's, let's donate to charities, even though it doesn't benefit ourselves directly, and let's make the world a better place despite our evolutionary origins. I think that it's great to understand that we come from nature, but that's no reason for that to hold us back and make us act like selfish idiots. Dan Risk, in your book, is Mother Nature is Trying to Kill You, a lively tour through the dark side of the natural world. Leave us with a parting thought uh, from the book. My final thought is that it's just the, the beauty of that disgusting stuff really is what draws me to nature, and I hope I'm able to share that with other people. That part of me in high school that first read a book about bats and couldn't believe that there was this creature that drank blood and had all these weird behaviors and and just I was disgusted and curious and freaked out and that's never gone away nature is just full of surprises and it's only when you look at the dark side that you see the best stuff